Here we go. It's the DC Tweet Team Podcast. I'm Jonathan Osmond, of course, joined by Maurice Hawkins. And this week, we're joined by Adam Aniba of the Burgundy and Gold Report, B&G Report. Burgundy and Gold, the Burgundy and Gold Report, B&G Reports on Twitter. Yep, both. Yep. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. It, it, I can't believe we're a week away from the draft. Like, it is kind of one of those things where, like, you have the whole off season, right? And you think, like, nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing happens. And it's like, the draft. And it's like, finally, finally something happens. And then we have, like, a whole bunch of nothing until about training camp. But this is it. This is where we kind of know, like, what we're going to be, who we're going to get. And, and I think it's, like, peak optimism for our commanders, football team, Washington Redskins fans, you know, all of us. <laughs> so, Adam, thanks for joining, man. It's a pleasure. So what are you what are you hearing out there as far as what do you think the commanders like? I, I know Ron Rivera from his time here in Carolina. He gave nothing. Right. He just he's all about like. Uh, 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 giving as little as possible. So kind of like I, I saw some tweets about maybe they go defense in the first round. Maybe they don't want to go wide receiver. Um, but I mean, kind of what people that know other than like dum dums like me who know nothing. What, what do you think? Like what, is, what is this team likely going to do in that first round pick? Well, you know, this is this is the number one scenario right now about staying at pick number 11. Um, we've been hearing a lot about it through the media. And I guess sometimes there's when there's smoke, there's fire. But usually this is smokescreen season. But uh, Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame, that's a domino I'm looking for. Malik Willis, that's another one. I think what you're going to see is offensive tackles. People thought there might be some edges. I think, you know, besides the Michigan defensive end, I think it could be anywhere after that. But I think um, he goes in the first, you know, one one or two. But then you got a lot of offensive linemen coming off the board. And I think that's why you have players like uh, LSU's Derek Stingley, which, you know, some people are a little nervous about with the, you know, previous injury. Um, but Kyle Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame, I think a lot of people are caught off guard by the, you know, the sub five four forty. That means very little to me as far as, you know, what he's trying to be as a, a deep, deep covered uh, free safety. But I think with Washington, he's ideal because you have Cam Crow and you have they're, they're literally interchangeable guys that can, you know, split the deep duties. We saw the Buffalo nickel with the three with the three uh, safeties when we had Landon Collins. But um, I think a lot of people are, uh, are thinking that Hamilton is a guy that, you know, maybe can't play the deep field. So if somehow he slips past the Jets at 10, that's my sweet spot. I think Washington. That it's a no-brainer to go him, but I think the realistic scenario is wide receiver. Um, if you just look at you know the track record of the past ten years, where has Washington gone? It's been heavy defense, and even when it's been offense, it has not been wide receiver. It's been a long time. You have to go back to Rod Gardner, Desmond Howard. You know, got, oh, yeah, this first round Dotson. That guy's borderline second round. When you start to get in the twenties and to the close of the second, I don't consider them true first round. You know, got to start right away. That was a that was a bad pick from the get go. But you you know, we're talking about Rod Gardner and Desmond Howard. So you know, you got to understand. A lot of fans are maybe gun shy about that, but I think you bring in Carson Wentz, you have to surround him with weapons. You have to, you know, we saw with Lawrence and Jacksonville, you know, I think that they understand now that they have to protect him because that offensive line was just not good enough. Washington is quietly put together an offensive line I think that can be you know in that you know top 10 range not anything great but you know 
average on both sides enough to, you know, produce, you know, a, a decent run game and pass game. But in the end, you can't just have Terry McLaurin and a bunch of question marks. You know, a guy I'm real high on is Ohio State's Garrett Wilson. Um, mm. You keep hearing, it's funny to me that they keep they, the Ohio State guys, you know, you keep hearing, when you hear Wilson, you hear Olave after that. Mm-hmm. I think that, that that's that's a misconception to me because I think Olave belongs more in that late 20s, uh, you know, even later, because I think, you know, he is a, a route running technician, but we have that. <laughs> I think McLaurin is a route running, uh, he's a technician, but he can do so much more. Wilson, you're looking at a guy that's six foot tall, but he plays like big boy ball, you know, on 50 fifties, you're looking at him going up, you know, a guy, some DBs are six, three, six, four. He has no fear. He is not that flash in the pan, like Campbell, like we saw that went to Indianapolis. That's, you know, really good on screens, you know, intermediate stuff. Although that's what Gary Wilson does. I saw a hell of a lot of passes when he, you know, he's, he's a, you know, lethal deep threat. You're talking about four, three speed, a guy that can fight the ball. You know, I don't see a scenario where if he's available, they can pass. But right now, that's kind of where I'm thinking that the first round is going to shape out. But uh, my trade back scenario that I put out, I think that if somehow we see Malik Willis go uh, in that top five, you're talking about, you know, there's some potential teams that are hoping, you know, for Pickett, you know, even someone else. I think there's a team that might, you know, reach on a Ritter or someone else. So number 11, a trade of a tra- I have Pittsburgh from 20 trading to Washington to 11. So I think that that's something to watch as trade back scenarios. But that's kind of where I'm at right now with the first round. You know, I'm, I told, I'm a whirlwind, <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm really big into the mid rounds and later rounds. But the first round, that's pretty much how I've shaped it out so far. What do you think? I mean, it. it- if they do trade back at uh, 11 and they go to 20, I mean, would Garrett Wilson be there for them? No, no. A, a, a guy that I really loved is uh, my guy out of Arkansas is uh, Trey Burks. He was getting so much attention early on, but then as soon as we got to the combines and every, the combine, you know, the, the all-star events, he really dropped down on draft boards. And it's curious to me because I think you're talking about a guy who had 1400 yards and did his damage in the sec against teams like Alabama, like yeah. the best events in the nation, mm-hmm. but somehow he gets dropped down. So I have him at that 20. That's who I have them getting to me after Wilson. I don't have Olave. I don't have, you know, and, uh, and I'll, I've argued with a lot of people about this, but I don't argue anymore. Uh, London out of USC. I have Brooks ahead of him because I'm looking at fits for Washington. I'm evaluating all the talent. You can't evaluate everyone, but I've got it at least five games for those other guys. But with Wilson and Burks, I've watched a full season of games, even going back to, to last year. And, you know, you're talking about Burks. He's a guy that they've compared to Debo Samuel, but at 6'2", 220, he's significantly bigger, a little slower, but the explosiveness, you know, he was asked at the combine about his speed. He goes, well, has anybody called me from behind? And then mm-hmm. that's the guy. If you watch his tape, he's not getting caught from behind. So in the NFL, although he's going to, he's going to get caught from behind here and there. When people talk about speed with him, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those prospects that it doesn't matter to me. It matters with some, but a guy that can play in the slot, in the backfield XZ, you can move him around on, you know, pre-snap motion. This is a guy I want on my team. So if you're trading back to 20, you're talking about point system. You're going to flip flop those. You're going to get a second round pick and you're going to get a fourth round pick from, from the Steelers. That's how I worked it out on my trade scenario. And, you know, by doing that, you're able to upgrade multiple positions. So to me, Losing out on Wilson for Brooks and getting extra picks, it's 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 way better than the consolation prize. Is there an opportunity that Washington? I mean, this is all right. This is banana land. I understand that, right? <laughs> but is there an opportunity where Washington goes 
we will pick up somebody like Wilson in the first and then trade McLaren to get the younger version and then pick up some draft picks, not have to pay the money and, you know, roll the dice on a guy, you know, you're giving up your, your, your number one receiver. Right. But like, is there the consensus out there that Garrett could be that Terry McLaurin clone that they could get away with it? There's twofold with that. I think the media, especially this is a slow time when you're not evaluated and they're putting out a lot of smoke screen. I think the fact that Terry McLaurin is due, you know, a big payday. Come on. Like, again, they have not paid receivers this kind of money. You're allocating a shitload of money, excuse me, on the defensive side of the ball. Well, market is Um, explicit. It doesn't matter. You go ahead. (laughs) You know what I mean? So you you have to balance it out. Like oh, now we got Wentz. You know they're they're paying him a lot of money. So someone like McLaurin, you got to find a compliment to him. You're not looking to replace him. So I think if you're looking to move him and you're Washington, you're going the wrong direction because it's not only about having him as your number one receiver and can you replace him. He's the face of the franchise. He's the kind of uh, you know squeaky clean image, very intelligent. You know, very good with the community. He's a guy that you can't let go. And you're talking about what it looks like now. Is it between that 22 to $25 million range? We've seen what NFL contracts are about. Really what we're talking about is three years, 72 million. That'll get the job done. You know, in the end, you have funny money. You have a fourth year. It makes it looks like a hundred million dollar contract. Everyone is, wow. He just became the second or third highest paid until tomorrow. So it's not really going to be that complicated as far as compensation. Nobody, even though McLaurin is a high demand player, I don't really see anyone giving a first round up for him at this point. I think when you get close to the draft, these picks become more premium. And I think you might have somebody offering something down the road. But right now, a first round pick this year and then even a first round pick next year is more valuable because a lot of teams are going to get in on that sweep takes for the quarterbacks next year. Um, Terry McLaurin's not going anywhere. I think just like John Allen, you'll see this deal done in camp. Um, they'll be able to free up enough money that that that's easy. But you know, something to watch out for. You know, will Landon Collins come back? Because if he's not, he's not getting many bites. He could come back on a veteran minimum or you know something pretty close to it. So mm. I think that they'll be able to you know keep McLaurin, and they'll be able to if they don't go in the first round, like I said, this draft is deep. You know, you can go in the second, fourth round. I think you find you know two solid positions uh two solid rounds where you can get receivers that can complement Aaron McLaurin because this this draft is just that deep a wide receiver hey Adam this is uh Maurice uh my question for you like last year we uh drafted Jamin Davis uh he was supposed to be the heir apparent as a middle linebacker uh he really struggled in that role for most of the season we saw flashes of brilliance when he was moved to the outside linebacker spots uh do you think there are some players that Washington could draft and be the second or third round uh, as an inside linebacker that could kind of serve in that mic role that Coach Rivera is looking for? Okay, so I try not to take too much stock into what the coaches say, especially when they're talking about the draft. But I really stood on what Rod Rivera talked about middle linebacker. And the way he described Cole Holcomb and what he thinks he can do in the middle, I love Cole Holcomb. I'm not saying I believe he can be that mic. But everything that I heard from Ron Rivera, it's, it sounds like that's the role that he thinks that he'll have. And that'll be at least this year. So if you're looking at this draft, what we have is a lot of outside linebackers. Um, some have potential to be middle linebacker. You know, <clears throat> we've heard of Lloyd from Utah. I like him in the 3-4. I, I just I don't see him as a Mike in the 4-3. I might be in the minority. You know, big guy, 6-4, you know, 240-plus. I just don't see him as a fit. And 11 was a reach for someone like him. He's going to go somewhere in the top 20. Um, Nicobe Dean, 
someone I wrote about. I really like him. Again, 11 might be a little too high, and I'm not sure if he's that going to be that Mike. It might take you know a little bit if he can ever get there. Um, I'm more looking into the you know middle to late rounds for developmental guys, and a guy that I actually just put an article about is getting a lot of hype. I is especially in the combine. His name is Troy Anderson from Montana State. Um, he's a guy that was all, he was a all American on defense and offense. Um, that's unheard of that this day. I, I think that there's, I'd be shocked if he doesn't go to the Patriots somewhere because he is a Bill Belichick guy through and through 6'4, 240. He ran the 40 in 442. So this is a Mike linebacker that ran a 442, uh, played, uh, was brought into Montana State to actually play a uh, quarterback running back. Uh, so they had him in that dual role. Not a guy like a Taysom Hill, like a bigger guy. You don't really want to see him in that role, but he does give you that flexibility to use him in, you know, multiple positions. That's a guy I truly think that in, you know, two, three years, they could definitely develop him into a middle linebacker starting Mike because they just have Montana State invested so much in him. His final year, he was one of the best in the nation. You know, you're talking about coverage, three interceptions, you know, sacks, over five sacks, 150 tackles. This is a guy that can really do it all. You just have to be patient with him. Will he be available in the fourth round? I think, you know, a team might be a, a little eager, and I think he can probably go in the second round. But another guy that I like um, is Chad Muma out of Wyoming. Um, a lot of people don't think he can be a Mike. So I'm going the assumption that Ron Rivera is going to stick with Holcomb. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I don't think Jamin Davis is going to get that opportunity unless injury happens. So I think they're going to roll with Cole Holcomb, middle linebacker. So mm-hmm. even though you don't have too many sets, with three linebackers on the field, I think you get to that second round and you've already addressed, like I said, either safety, hopefully wide receiver. Um, Chad Muma, Wyoming, will be somebody that can, you know, really doesn't have to get off the field, not necessarily your mic, but can, you know, do damage in coverage. You know, he's just can do damage in the run game. So I really like him in that spot. So second round, good value. But, you know, after that, you know, you have Harris out of Alabama. you got a couple guys, but again, a lot of weak side linebackers with, with hope that they can, um, you know, maybe one day get to be that Mike, but I, I'm not sold on really any of these guys is, you know, straight up Mike's on the next level right now. Does Washington attempt to replace or add to their quarterback bench in what rounds three, four, five this year? I mean, cause we know the injury history of Carson Wentz, right? And we know what Taylor Heineke can give us, which is, about 15, 20 yards of passing and uh, a lot of gutsy play, but not a lot of arm strength. So is this, you know, does Washington roll the dice going like, okay, we can, we can do our, you know, draft a rookie, let him sit, play that game with somebody, you know, third round Carson strong, let's say, or something. Um, Okay. I'll start by saying I am, I'm with Carson strong. I'm not a fan of his, um, his knees alone that, that gives me concern dating back to, you know, high school. But again, I, I, in Washington Turner system, the last thing they need is a statue quarterback. That's what he is. They need somebody that can move. I think that's what you saw with Carson Wentz. You'll see a lot of more zone read RPO. So the last thing they're going to get is a quarterback like that. Hmm. Um, but as far as draft picks, they're a little hamstrung this year without a third round, without a fifth round. I don't think you have the luxury to consider that. Um, one guy wrote, I, I wrote about the quarterbacks real early in the process, November, December, basically thinking that either they're going to play out it out and see what happens in the draft, or they're going to get a, a veteran uh, quarterback like they did. So I wrote about, you know, Willis, Pickett, all of these guys. Um, but a guy that's really, I think, not getting as much attention is uh, Bailey Zappi. 
Um, he's a guy, Western Kentucky, uh, led the nation um, in, uh, what was it, passing yards and I believe pass, uh, pass completions. Um, but what I liked about him is, although he's not a mover, not a dual threat, he can move, but he's got the quickest strike in the draft. He, you know, he's not going to someone that's going to, throw it 60 down 60 yards downfield in a rope but you know he'll nail that 40 yarder no problem so i think somehow if he slips to the sixth round that would be the only guy i've really i've gone through all the quarterbacks that i would consider in this class you know after the first first second round but i don't think then Washington will consider the first, second round quarterback. I just, I think without the third and the fifth, you just don't have the luxury. So the only scenario I have is Western Kentucky, Bailey Zappi. If he slips to the sixth or even seventh, do you have two picks in the seventh? That would be somewhere. Otherwise, I think you have to go the undrafted route. And when you go that route, you have to have the intention to bring in somebody. You cannot go in a camp with just with Taylor Heinke and Wentz because Wentz has an injury history. Taylor Heinke, although he stayed healthy last year, he has it. So you have to really bring somebody in. They wasted that fifth on Allen because, again, they didn't even you know extend him on the minimum, which it's a bit of a head scratcher. So I would assume that they have a plan to maybe go after a veteran. They become available. I'm not sure if they, you know, count on an undrafted free agent to uh, bring to camp as, you know, a third quarterback. But I think you got to really build that practice squad this year with at least, you know, one or two, at least two quarterbacks, in my opinion, because you can't go into the future with the current situation with, you know, Taylor Heinke as a backup. You know, he's good in he's good in spot duty, but I think you got to be, you know, a little more ahead of the curve with that because, you know, with Washington, regardless who the coach is, they always put too much in one basket. And then, you know, the guys that they have behind them just, you know, aren't doing it. So I think that you can consider Bailey Zappi late in the draft, but other, I think the realistic option is you have to continue to build depth. You know, you don't have defensive tackles now with, with Ioannidis and Settle gone. So those picks in the sixth round, seventh round, they may sound like, you know, you know, uh, wasted picks, but those are the kind of defensive positions that you're, you're able to get depth on. And I think there's a couple guys in that position that you'll be able to have uh, for backups for, um, for Payne and Allen. Cause it's, it's invaluable to have depth right now, because if you, if you go into the season with the way it is, I have serious concerns about the defense. So I think going to a quarterback at any point, it takes away from another position of need. I mean, is there uh, the fear I have with, with Zappy, but also the same fear I had with Malik Willis, was that in, in granted, I don't watch a lot of Western Kentucky football, <laughs> right? I don't think many people do. Um, but like, you know, like I always said this with Willis was, you know, Liberty always plays like this really kind of weird schedule. And I went to Liberty, right? So I kind of remember those days. It, it's different than when I went, you know, they've gotten a lot better, but the, the days of, of Liberty playing anybody, it's like, they always have like, you know, they play like Campbell, and like Virginia school for the deaf and blind. And then they'll beat those schools like great. And then they'll go play like, you know, Mississippi or whatever. And then like get trounced because it's what you expect. Right. And so like in the, where, you know, Willis always looks like last year, like he was the best player on the field on any team, any position on most of the teams they played against. Is Zappy kind of the same way? Like, is he just like a stud in a field of kind of like, you know, guys like me who are like, you know, marginal in high school in less than in college. Yeah. What's the thing with Willis, like you said, it's, uh, he had to do a lot of improvisation. And again, when they went against Ole Miss, they just got trounced. But with respect to him, that offensive line is bad. Like, of course, no talent, like no help. 
you got to scheme. You know, I, I really looked at the coaches in that game. You knew what Ole Miss was going to bring. You really got to scheme a lot more quick game, a lot more rollouts, because, again, they just delayed too much. But, you know, in saying that, with Bailey Zappi, what he had advantage he had, he had a huge advantage. He he transferred from Houston Baptist. He brought his offensive coordinator, his top two receivers, Jared Stearns, another guy wrote an awesome, you know, little guy receiver. He's like Steve Smith Jr. to me. Um, he had the advantage of having the same system for five years. So of, by the fifth year, he of course he was one of the best in the nation. So I have many concerns on the next level. You know, can he just be system versatile? But um, just everyone I've talked to, anyone in Western Kentucky that you know I've watched, I because I, I watched a lot of games this year with two prospects evaluated. It's twenty three games between them. So you know I've watched a lot of them, and I see it's it's really a, a, a specific system. It's a it's a hell of a lot of quick game. Uh, you know, a lot of motion. But again, those things do translate to the next level. I think a lot more NFL teams are running that. So, you know, at his at his ability with his knowledge, a little older, I think he's turning 25, I believe, this year. So if that's a concern to some teams, that'll also drop him. But um, I, I would consider that. But Washington, again, when you when you're missing some of those picks. It's, it's really like, do you want to do that or just wait till undrafted free agency? Because, you know, there's a scenario where I could see him somehow getting through the waivers and, you know, being undrafted. But I do think someone will take a chance in him later. But uh, with Washington, you know, the best chance he'd have would be a third. Uh, be a, you know, I don't know if he's going to be a backup anywhere this year, but um, there's concerns with system all the time when they come from college. You know, how's it going to translate? But I think with the with the NFL uh, the smarter teams are trying to adapt and we're going to see in San Francisco this year, you know, what's going to happen with their quarterback situation. Are they going to adjust the, adjust their offense? Like, uh, mm -hmm. Shannon RG three, you have Lance there. Are they going to adjust it or just continue to stick to what they're running and hope they adapt? So that's a lot of, there's a lot of moving pieces when it comes to quarterbacks more than any other position in the NFL. So uh, I think Washington will have some options, but I, I think you got to pass. Hey, uh, I have a question, um, Adam. What offensive linemen that are in the draft that may be in rounds two, three, and four that you think could be impact players for Washington immediately to help bolster that offensive line for Carson Wentz? Honestly, I, I, I think your premier players in this class are in the first round. And then if you're lucky, they're going to go in the early second. So I really didn't spend time uh, much on the interior or um uh, left tackle, right tackle, because I think Washington's pretty entrenched right now. Um, I think with with Leno, um, I think with you know the Texas kid we got last year playing right tackle. Uh, you know they they replaced Brandon. You know they 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 brought in another guy, and then you know I think that they with Schwartz and theirs, but I, I think that they um, Schweitzer. I mean, excuse yeah, me, West Schweitzer, uh, yeah, Schweitzer. Yeah. Um, they, they, they need depth, but I don't think that's going to be anyone in the second or fourth round. I think when you start to get into the later rounds, you know, I looked at a guy, Donovan West, um, from Arizona state, um, six, three, about 300 played a lot of center, but he also, you know, is sufficient in guard this year's class. I, again, I didn't look at a ton of them, but to me, after they got out of the first round, there's a significant drop in talent level. So I think when you're picking at 47 and after that, I just think that there's a lot more value with safety, tight end, linebacker, receiver to even consider those positions, you know, like I said, all the way until, you know, without a fifth, maybe a fifth round you could, but without a third and fifth, I, I think, you know, that's probably not a position that they're going to address till later. Yeah, they definitely need a tight end with, you know, Logan Thomas coming back from injury, losing Ricky Seals Jones. Um, wh who do you have? And do you think, do you see the commanders, 
going mm. for, I know, right? That sounds still weird to say. <laughs> the commanders uh, going after a tight end. Like, is there really some some prospects out there that, that could come around? Um, well, I actually just put out an article about some late round guys uh, because uh, one that I specifically wrote about Isaiah Likely, um, he's a, he's my second round. I did a spotlight on him. Coastal Carolina, I think he's the best in the draft, but will he be available 47? I'm not sure. Um, but after that, you're talking about, you know, a lot of guys that are developmental, which is okay because with Logan Thomas, um, apparently his rehab is going really well. So I do expect him to be ready by week one. But again, after that, you have Bates, who's really still developing into a pass catcher. You know, he was more inline blocking, you know, not really asked to do much in the passing game, you know, besides, you know, find an opening, catch it. But, you know, he's not a route runner. So right now you have to look at developmental guys and three guys that I came out with with my mid to late round uh, potential sleepers. First one um, out of Virginia, Jelani Woods. Uh, this is a guy I love um, hybrids. I love guys that can do a lot. Cause again, we talked about Troy Anderson before the linebacker. I love guys that can do a lot to me that translates the NFL. Um, Jelani Woods, six, seven, 259 um, former quarterback. He actually transferred from Oklahoma state um, <clears throat> last year. He actually came on 598 yards, eight touchdowns, 13.6 uh, yards per um, he's got a lot of room to go. He's raw, but he is no Samus Reyes. He is way ahead of the curve of someone like him. Samus Reyes, I think if you listen to a lot of the fans, they're a little too optimistic. I think that guy is two, three years to really see what we can do. I think he should have stayed on the practice squad due to injuries. You know, he had to come up. But now you see with Seals Jones, uh, you know, off the team signing with the Giants, you have to start to look at, you know, in the later rounds. And I have Jelani Woods as, as a fourth rounder. Again, developmental, but you're talking about he had a year last year. That kind of production is what you need in the red zone. And, you know, 6'7", 259, you know, it's his big boy ball. So I looked at a guy like similar to him a couple of years ago named Donald Parham out of Stetson. Oh, yeah. Small school. You know, and he actually, I was happy when he came to Washington. It was short-lived. Um, but then you know, a lot of people that were watching saw in San Diego look like a lot of fans thought he got paralyzed for a second because he took a really you know a hard blow. I think I, last I heard he's out of the league. But yeah. um, Jelani, he's got more staying power than that. Um, but then the more realistic scenarios I have again started going to the later rounds. Um, somebody that I have um, that really dropped um, over the last year and a half uh, is Jalen Windemeyer from Texas A and M. He actually was viewed as a top 65, top 85 prospect in 2019. A lot of people thought, you know, he had first round written all over him. Um, but there's been a lot of issues with as far as concentration job, you know, uh, drops, the easy passes he should have caught, you know, whatever, whatever, just name it. Um, but if you talk to a lot of people that have been evaluating the tight ends, they think he's one of these guys that got, I think, too ahead of himself. Um, and over the last two years, Texas A&M just kind of limited exactly what they wanted him. But what I love about him is, you know, you could just throw it downfield and he'll go up and get it, you know? So that's the kind of guy you can get in the sixth round, six, four, two Um, so I think that if he is there, you know, you know, if everyone remembers aggression from Oklahoma, I do see similarities, but I do, uh, Windemeyer is a lot more athletic profile than him. Um, so he's someone, but, um, another guy, it, it's funny. Cause you, if you watch him, he kind of looks like a gazelle and you just think, you know, this guy's not going to last long in the NFL, but, um, Iowa States, Charlie Kohler. Um, he's a guy at the senior bowl. I think surprised a lot of people just how good his hands were, you know, another guy, six, six and a half, 
252. These are the late round guys. You know, the early round guys are more of those six, three, you know, running that four, 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 five range. But these are the guys that are running that, you know, those four eights, you know, four nines. So they're definitely not, not as fast. They're not going to break away in coverage, but these are the kind of guys that you need in the red zone. You're talking about, you know, uh, you want to have multiple tight end sets, Charlie Kohler. He's the kind of guy you can get up, just throw the ball. He'll get it. Just So what I tried to focus on with the late round guys is what kind of contributions you expect in them. You know, Ricky Seals Jones last year was at 253. I think it was two touchdowns. So all, the, all these guys, I think that you can get in the later portion can hopefully make up that production. Um, but like I said, Samus Reyes, that guy needs all around coaching with, with everything about the tight end game. These guys are all, you know, natural pass catchers. They're not blockers, even though they have great size, they're going to offer no ability to block for you. So these are the kind of guys, you know, when you have a third tight end, these are the sub package guys you want. And I think if they can go into the season with Logan Thomas and Bates, they'll be solid, but you got to get a tight end out of this draft that, you know, fits these profiles as far as, you know, big pass catchers or athletic, because if you don't, you know, you're going to be in trouble last year looking at the, you know, uh, the waiver wire to find some, you know, release tight ends because you just can't go with, with Carson Wentz. He's going to need these weapons. You know, we've been hearing a lot about running back visits. I think that's pure smokescreen. I think they just bring in a lot of prospects because those are the kind of guys you can even, you know, get an early jump on in the next three, four years, they'll be free agents. But I don't see with, with, with AG and bringing back uh, JD, how you're going to draft a running back, you know, in the second, in the second round. So I think it's more about tight end and receiver to improve this offense. I think with the running game, I think that they're pretty sold on that, but there's some guys that, like I said, there's some guys that later on even mentioned that they don't have a real good chance to get some snaps if uh, Washington selects him. I mean, I feel like running back is one of those positions. Like you almost need to draft one every year, right? Because of injuries, because of just, you know, you never know where the, the, the career is going to go. And it's always good to have like a good if you like someone who's big, who's strong and kind of like maybe fill the the gap. Like, uh, I don't think, you know, we really like, I don't think anybody really saw Antonio Gibson's career kind of taking off. Like he was a wide receiver. Right. And, right. and, and so like, you know, and he's come on as this like kind of dynamic running uh, runner. But also, you know, he's still learning to be a running back. Is there somebody out there that, that you scouted that – and I know you say, like, hey, Washington shouldn't be wasting their time on this. But I feel like, it, you know, that was always like a, a Jay Gruden thing. Like, they always go got running backs, and you're like, another running back? Like, can we get some real help? Samaji P. Ryan. He loves oh. him. Samaji P. Ryan. He's still out there. Yeah. He's still playing. He was on Samaj. the Bengals. He was Bengals. on the Bengals. He got a Super yeah. Bowl ring. Oh, wait, no, he well, didn't. No. He got an AFC championship. Yeah, he got, a, he got an also ran ring is what he got. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think? Is there anybody out there we need to be paying attention to? Well, I'll be honest with you. You know, Jared Patterson was the first guy I evaluated last year. And I think people, some people are forgetting about him. He's, although he's from Buffalo and, you know, he's on the lower level, this, this kid can play. And I think that although he wasn't featured in the passing game in Buffalo, we saw in the preseason, there was a couple passes here and there um, where he, he showed his hand. So, I really don't know if you're going to look that round the draft. Cause again, I think with AG, J, you know, JD McKissick and another year for Patterson, I think you roll with that, but I do think the undrafted free agency route, you know, there's going to be some guys, you know, you're talking about Devonte price, Kevin Harris, um, you know, Abraham Smith, Baylor, um, Tyreen Davis price LSU. Like there's a lot, these guys are going to go undrafted for the most part. So I think you'll be able to find really good value 
that you probably would have, you know, instead of using a six round, let's say, because I don't think you can use your, your, your second round, definitely not your fourth round. No. So I think the earliest you're talking about is your sixth round. And I think those kind of guys with those grades or even earlier than that are being pushed back because of the, the, the pure depth that wide receiver and other positions, you can get those guys in the free agent mark uh, undrafted free agent. So I think they will get a running back. It'll just be an undrafted free agent, just like they did with Jared Patterson. They'll bring one into camp and let them battle those two battle it out because mm. I don't think that you, you know, you don't have the luxury again without a third and a fifth. I think you really got to fill some of your positions of need and some of your positions of depth that you really are lacking. I always get fearful though when Marty Herney is by the the draft board that like he's going to be like, you know, there was a Christian McCaffrey type out there and somebody that we could pay $60 million to, to run the ball and uh, for like four games a year, because he always gets hurt. Like, I just, I don't know. I hope, I, I hope I agree with, I mean, I, I agree with you. Like, I think that's what Washington needs to do. I don't think we're wasting a, a pick. Um, who I else? think that also, Consider this before JD got hurt. I really do think the plan was to really be more of a committee. I don't think that they mm. wanted to put much on AG. So I think if it goes, I think that they're willing to try that again to with, with, with these guys. Cause I do, I agree with, I, with Memphis that is become, you know, receiver running back you right now, three of right. them are in the all on that team together. So I think I'm hoping he's going to be a lot more involved with the receiving game. Cause I think, that's how you can get Gibson really – if you get him out in space, that's when he really can work. With the other running backs, I think you can get them between the tackles. But I agree with you. <clears throat> it concerns me if you're just relying on that because those are two guys right there that you know between AG and JD that both had ear injuries, either played through or out. So I think that you're always looking for running backs. But I think unless you're looking at that second or fourth range, which I just don't think they can – just look at undrafted guys because again there's if, if you just look at some of the rankings out there there's a lot of them that just just were pretty you know uh pigeonholed in their college system so they're going to go undrafted so i think when when that happens guys come out and you know running back to me this particular juncture i just think you you have to wait <laughs> because i think there's just too many positions that are just more important well and i think too i mean if we have a, a healthy curtis samuel you can kind of throw him in the mix back there as a a joker, kind of joker running back, wide receiver. They can really kind of Swiss Army knife, similar to Gibson. I mean, they yeah. the Panthers kind of used them kind of all over the field uh, whenever they needed to, but he also, you know, had to stay healthy. And I yeah, feel like right. we've got so many question marks on that on that offense. It's like, man, can we just get healthy? Um, who was somebody we're not talking about or a position we're missing that like, you know, I know you've been scouting and you've been running your mocks. Like I, you know, we, we're all focusing on offense on wide receiver, you know, and, and maybe they take a, a cornerback in the first or, or, uh, or a safety. But I mean, who is your, like somebody that we're not even thinking about that you're like, yep. You know, I could definitely see this feels a need for Washington and it's probably somebody that, you know, the scouts would know that, to look for. Um, like I said, I, I mentioned Troy Anderson um, a little earlier. Um, but as far as the guys like that, that, that nobody's really talking about, I think this year what we've seen, it's, it, it's, it's ironic because I'm seeing the team sites. I'm seeing everyone. It's not really the same the same ball game anymore. They're putting a lot of the guys that they were under the radar are all getting you know um, attention. So as far as guys that maybe late late, <clears throat> a guy I talked about. I don't really think he's under the radar, but he's a late round guy. Is a uh, Smoke Monday 
best name in the draft. Oh my gosh. Um, he's, and I, thought, uh, I thought Sauce Gardner was good. I mean, juice. <laughs> Wait, he's Smoke Monday? Is that what his name was? Smoke Monday. Smoke Monday. Uh, Gosh, I want to buy his jersey wherever he goes. That linebacker uh, safety hybrid role. But, man, he just lays the wood. And, you know, I, I, I don't wouldn't feel comfortable having him in the past. But, man, you can put him in sub packages. You know, what a lot of what Landon Collins did, I think Smoke Monday could really do that. And I think he's going to be available in the sixth, seventh round. So some people are talking about him. There's a lot of people in Washington Nation that really were pushing me to, to you know, review him. So I watched about six games, um, put him in my, you know, <clears throat> in my uh, mock draft article. Cause I think that, you know, he'll be available late. And I think again, that, that that's a depth position. Cause I think with McCain and curl, you know, you've got your guys there and smoke Monday, he's more a guy that's going to back up your linebackers and sub packages rather than your strong safety. So, um, I would say that that that's probably a name not being talked about in her about a uh, smoke Monday. Yeah. It looks like the, the Broncos, uh, may have brought him in the Texans Vikings, Bengals. I'm just kind of looking here. That is the most amazing name in the draft. I'm, I'm actually following him right now because he's that incredible. Like anybody who's going to be named Smoke Monday, he better be good. Yeah, he's going to definitely get some endorsement deals. Uh, Adam, my question for you is that you know you talked about how you know the draft has changed. Uh, how do you feel, folks like yourself? you know, who do this work year round, you know, who are kind of like challenging, like the, I guess the, the um, Todd McShay's and the Mel Kuyper juniors and that whole ESPN, you know, draft, um, draft analysis cottage industry, like, you know, folks like yourself are putting out quality work, you know, with nowhere near the resources. How do you think that's the impact in draft evaluation across the board? Um. <clears throat> Well, I think, you know, with Deion Sanders going to the HBCU level, um, guys like Darius Leonard, you know, all pros, you know, that's mm-hmm. a guy I, I evaluated and spotlighted a couple of years ago. Those are what's good guys that are changing the landscape right now. And then, you know, you saw Doug Williams today mm-hmm. um, with the new promotion with um, as far as developing, you know, black head coaches, black staff, you know, for the NFL. So there's a lot of change coming with that. And you see other teams spending their resources, you know, putting out articles, not, not just about the first round, second round, something I've been doing since when I started doing this, I started from the back end on, I started as just evaluating seventh round, sixth round, HBCU, small school, that that's where I started. Um, and you know, guys that I talked to last year, Kyle Duggar, you know, ended up with the Patriots, Lenore Ryan University. Um, a guy I love this year, Joshua Williams from Fayetteville State. You know, I had a great interview with him, you know, six, you know, six, three, really long arms. He actually sat down with Jordan Reed ESPN as well. You know, those are the guys I like to talk to. The difference is I'm not the only one. I'm not like a small handful of guys that are talking to these you know players anymore that they're getting a lot more attention, you know, just from social media alone. So as far as what's changed the landscape, <clears throat> I don't compare myself to anyone because what I do, you know, I'm a writer, I'm an evaluator. This is my sixth draft. The way I I, I do it, you know, you, you've read my stuff. Um, I, I don't really watch as much media. I don't read the paper, the DC papers. It's easy living in New York now. So um, mm-hmm. I really just keep to my own tunnel vision. So I received my training, you know, from a lot of former NFL GMs and um, guys, scouts in the industry and just learning the ins and outs of just what to look for, you know, 
it's it's a crapshoot. You know, nobody will tell you different. But again, like you said, it with the resources, McShay, these guys, what they have is just a ton of resources, a, a ton of you know scouts, like people like me that are that are probably giving free time to them to intern. Which you know that that's that's a problem in itself, to to be honest with you, because there's a lot enough people getting in on it that people a lot they're using a lot of college interns for that. So um, they do have the advantage. But someone like me. Um, I, I, it's just about really putting the time with the film and just being really detailed and being choosy. Um, sometimes there's a scenario, like I compare it to you, you put on a movie. Um, I used to be a guy that would watch a bad movie two hours through with, with, with players now after two, three games, um, you know, perfect example, Carson strong after I was after the third game and I just looked at his medicals, looked at everything I was done. Um, so that happens a lot and it doesn't mean they're not going to be good because um, it just doesn't work like that, but it's entertainment for me. It's so I have to be entertained. I have to see, um, you know, as a Washington fan, of course, I started this by projecting them, but I've kind of morphed into my draft articles are just, I have my commander's articles, but also my NFL draft articles and the draft articles are just purely scouting reports, nothing to, you know, connecting to Washington, but at the same time, I'm still evaluating guys that I think, you know, are great fits in Washington. So it's really about just, putting in the time and effort and watching the full games. <clears throat> and like I said, sometimes when you watch games, you think you see things you didn't think you would see and, you know, things pop out. And this year's class, like I said, Washington's in a great position because they need wide receiver. And out of the hundred plus prospects that I watched in this off season, wide receiver is just what I keep coming back to, you know, Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama. That's another small school, another HBCU guy. They're six in the nation under 1500 yards. You know, this is the kind of talent I'm here for. But again, we, we saw with the senior bowl, with the combine, a lot more guys are getting invited from these levels. So I'm glad about it. But at the same time, it just means, you know, I'm, you know, me draft diamonds, you know, a couple of the ones out there. We're not the only ones looking at these, you know, the, the lower level competition anymore. But again, I do it because I enjoy it. And, you know, to me, there's no competition out there. Scout Carson right. Wentz for me. What would your report be if Carson uh, Wentz was, a prospect in this year's draft um with the body of work he's had to now again you're not you're, you're not really questioning you know what he can do on the field as far as you know his deep balls you know the touch that he puts uh, you know on go routes but you know again it's coming into question about his leadership in more than one place um so that's definitely a thing but for me in medicals if, if he's if he's coming out and i'm scouting him I, I still, if you, if you ask me again, would I make this Carson Wentz trade? I'd probably say no. I'd probably say, you know, roll into the draft. And again, I know you can get a receiver upgrade, but you know, I, I, I don't know if you're going to do that with the, with the amount that it costs. So his back injury, his knee injury, you know, he was relatively healthy last year. You know, he played through some things, but um, you know, in the end with him, you know, great deep ball, uh, you know, still, still has an issue working on, you know, his, some of his touch passes, but I think if you if you provide him with a solid running game, solid play action, um, get him involved in, you know, RPO zone read concepts, which I think they will. I think he could be a solid quarterback for you, a middle of the pack quarterback. Um, in the end, he's going to have to run. This is the NFC East. And, you know, no matter what I says, you know, these, these guys can chase. So I think he's going to have to run. And that's where my concern is going to lie. But I think if, if, if they plan, if they plan it right in camp and, you know, they really, I think with Turner, <clears throat> 
what I've seen from Carolina to now, his system is evolving and it's hard to really get a finger on what he's trying to do. But I do have a feeling with Carson Wentz, you're going to see, you know, similar what you saw with Taylor Heineke early on. They were moving the pocket, getting them out. I think with Carson Wentz, you're going to be able to do that more. But instead of, you know, looking to create, you know, yards of scrambling, they'll be able to, you know, look to create downfield, like open up windows, like what they did with Russell Wilson in Seattle. So I think there's a lot of question marks. But in the end, to me, can he stay healthy? That's the number one thing. I'm less concerned of him leading the team. That's why I think Terry McLaurin is huge for you. Um, But for me, it's, you know, can he stay healthy? Yeah, well, I think that's everyone's thing, right? Like any quarterback that steps on the field in Washington, that has to be the number one concern because, my goodness, it is. I think if he makes it more than – I'm going to be holding my breath for the first, like, 17 minutes or whatever, or however long Ryan Fitzpatrick stayed healthy. Uh, you yeah, know, it's like, geez, can we just get past this and we get first past game. the quarter? <laughs> we'll all do shots, yeah. that's for sure. Um, Maurice, you got anything else? No, I've I just, uh, Adam, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I mean, you are just a wealth of, of knowledge, a cornucopia of all things NFL draft, and I, I mean, I'm, things. yeah, I'm just, extra- I'm just extraordinarily impressed with the fact that you have so much information in your brain that you can <laughs> rattle off, you know, Crazy. At, at, a, at a moment's notice. I mean, that is so impressive. And I just hope fans that listen to our podcast can appreciate the level of talent and intellect that you apply to your craft to give such detailed and insightful uh, analysis about the NFL draft. So I just want to thank you for everything that you've been doing, that you're currently doing and will do in this passion for yourself. I I thank you guys for having me on. You know, I just started back again, season two of my YouTube show, uh, B and G report happy hour. It's on the Burgundy and gold report YouTube channel. You know, everyone who's watching tonight, definitely go check it out. Subscribe. But um, what's even more uh, cool that I've set up now on my website, theburgundyandgoldreport.com, um, we have a premium membership. If you subscribe, uh, no cost, it's free. Um, all you do is put in your email and your name. You'll be the first one to get our scouting reports, interviews, anything that we put out before it goes to social media, because everyone knows social media can be funny. And if you sign up, again, no cost to be a premium member, you get all of that emailed to you as soon as I hit that publishing button. So again, the burgundyandgoldreport.com and uh, check me out, the B&G Report Happy Hour. Um, I thank you guys so much. It was a pleasure. Just love talking ball. Adam Aniba. What's your Twitter, Instagram? Do you have a TikTok? Do you got a Snapchat? (laughs) What do you got? uh, Twitter is uh, at the BNG report. And then um, on Instagram, yeah, just find me at the Burgundy and go to port 42. Um, but yeah, you can pretty much, you go to, you go to my website, the Burgundy and go to port.com. Everything's there. So yeah, just check me out. Awesome. Thanks for coming, man. That's, it's been great. Thank you so much. I, I, I really, in years past, I've done a lot more shows, but again, it's as fun as shows are for me, it, you know, it takes away time from film evaluation. So I, I wanted to definitely do something new. So I was glad to really, you know, sit down with you guys and chop it up. This, what year. A, this is, well, we're like exclusive. <laughs> so honored. Way to go, Maurice. <laughs> yeah. Izzy cheers himself. <laughs>